We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show, as you already should know. We go over a little bit about yesterday's slate. We talk a little bit about today's slate. Answer your strategy questions. DFS strategy. We got no MMA this weekend, so I don't know if we could talk about that. Any Anything. It doesn't matter what the sport is, right? NBA showdown. I don't know. I'm not playing any of that. Soccer. We got soccer today, right? So if you want to if you want to talk about something, it's casual Friday. So we'll casual it up. Any casual questions, even if it's not, hey, even if it's not DFS related, if you just have any anything, you want to get something off your chest, post it in the YouTube chat. You do you do you and click those thumbs up button. It helps us out. Hit the thumbs up button. Get my well, I got water. I got water today. Keep my water cold. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Suki Singh, he's always you're you're always you're always early, right? He's always like first. He's he's the first he's the first good morning guy. Sometimes he's there like a half an hour early, right? Good morning, okay, good morning, and then you don't you don't you don't hear from Suki for the rest of the show. Just I just want to get the first good morning in, and then I'm good, right? Apocalypse there, Dave Spag, Doug Montgomery, real life pitcher, right? No one's gonna no one's no. We're not gonna know who he is. He's a real life pitcher, but. Uh, Maybe it's Trevor Bauer. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's Trevor Bauer. Maybe it's Kurt Schilling, right? He's he's online. He's around. He's always around, right? He plays some DFS. Uh, Joe Mack, 58, Lee Palm, card fan, Sterling Woods, Michael Dompier. Superman's here. Oh, the, hey, got out of your phone. Well, did you change in your phone? Clark Kent changed and came here for the show. Then Eric Hipbold, who says, good morning, entered three contests, low stakes, small field, cash, and GPP, and placed high in all three. Third and fourteenth, using using my principles. Love theory of DFS. Thanks. Blend blender train. Okay, it's not my principles. Just to be clear, nothing of what I talk about I made up. Right? I may explain it differently from some people. Right? But the, the math I didn't make up the math. Right? I'm just communicating it. 
I compare myself to Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? You know, the, 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 the physicist. He didn't make up physics. He just did communications, right? So you say, oh, I listened. I, I saw the black hole special or whatever. And oh, now I understand it. Because oh, of all the stuff that, that you know. Like, yeah, it, it's, I didn't make it up, right? So it's not my, I, I always want to highlight that. These aren't my principles. They're just the principles of math and logic and probability and statistics. So I'm, all I'm doing is telling you about it. So uh, I, I, I didn't make it up. I wish I did. If I, hey, if I made this stuff up, and I invented it. I would never tell anyone because then I'd be winning all the money. But no, this this stuff actually exists, and other people do it as well, right? I'm just telling you. I'm telling you that they do. Let's see, Danny Lewis, Jordan. I want to hear about your poker career. What do you want to hear about? I don't know. Do we, do we want to start the show that way, or do we want to we don't look at the lineups from last night? From last night, you had to you had to dodge some some weather, right? The Dodgers game never never started up again. So the Dodgers, I mean, that the Dodgers almost got that. Really, they almost got there as a stack. Pollock got the hit a home run. Muncie had that grand slam. Chris Taylor had double digit points. Uh, the five man didn't get there in DraftKings, but uh, uh, for 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 the Dodgers yesterday, the Dodgers Nationals game, I just I OIS'd it. I wasn't playing. I was playing primarily on FanDuel, where the Dodgers were much more chalky than they were on on DraftKings. So. I wasn't playing that much of them, but in, in lineups, I was just, you know, as, only in stacks, no one-offs. I build primarily four, three, one lineups on FanDuel. So they, either they were the four, they were the three, but none of the one. Uh, I had some decent lineups. I mean, I, it, I didn't, I didn't do that well uh, yesterday. I mean, it was, it was a losing, it was a losing day. But I mean, I, I, I think my highest line was like 47th or something, right? I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have enough uh, Degrom in comparison to Burns on Fanduel, and the difference. The difference in in scoring there was 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 dramatic, because because uh, uh, you don't get dinged as much for the the hits and stuff. And Burns came out, so so uh, Degrom scored like maybe like sixteen points higher than Burns. Obviously, Degrom had fourteen strikeouts in like what ninety three pitches. The main the main concern that I had on Fanduel with Degrom. Obviously, obviously, I didn't. I we, we, uh, the bat had him projected at ninety nine pitches. I thought that was a little aggressive. I thought they'd let him go around ninety ish. But even at ninety, he was the highest projected pitcher. He, he was he was still the he was still the highest projected pitcher by 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 several points. Uh, so, but on Fanduel, that quality start and the win the win quality start like that that the points over there. It's like well, you have to go six innings. So Jacob DeGrum could have easily just gone five. I thought Burns has a better had a better chance at the quality start. So the difference between the two pitchers on FanDuel was 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 closer. So that's why I played. I mean, I still play like I still play thirty percent of my lineups for Jacob DeGrum, but more were Corbin Burns, and I had some uh, Framber Valdez on on FanDuel, less Ian Anderson on FanDuel because you don't need two pitchers. Ian Anderson was chalky on. DraftKings, and that's why I did play a lot of a lot of Mets. Mets, Mets were my my. I played a couple of lineups on DraftKings, and and it was, it was the Mets. I played some Mets on, on on FanDuel also, but you you got more relative value playing the Mets on DraftKings because Anderson was twenty eight percent owned. And if you take a look, Ricky D. I don't show Ricky D. that often on the pregame show because he has a very asymmetric strategy, very high variance. 
Right. He does. He, he doesn't like even it out. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one thing, and I'm gonna build as many lineups as I can that way. So you can see here, Ricky D had like no Ian Anderson and no Cardinals, who on DraftKings were the, were the I mean the de facto easily the chalk, right? Because they were they're too cheap playing in cores. Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeJong, Dylan Carlson. You can see here. So like he had zero, he had like nothing. He's just like, I'm not going to take, I'm not, well, he had well, one lineup with Paul DeJong, one off, I guess. Shortstop, I guess it's, it's a, a scarce position. But you see down here, Jeff McNeil, 54%. Conforto, 38%. Alonzo, right? Because we organize it just by, by Ricky D. I mean, he just went heavy into the Mets, right? So played a lot of DeGrom, Burns, because you get it because they were cheap on, uh, on, on DraftKings. So you can see here, Pilar, McCann, just, just make a ton, ton, half of his lineups are, are Mets lineups. And hope to get that, you know, the leverage over uh, on nearly uh, 30, 30% owned uh, Ian Anderson. So strategically, that, that, I mean, that's literal, that's, that is what I did. I just was playing a couple of lineups on DraftKings. Because you could also look at like Royal Payne, a little bit more asymmetric, a little bit more, a little bit more reds, right? Because sometimes I just look across and be like, okay, I don't know what they they did, but like if you organize each one individually, you get more of a look. So you see Royal Payne, you see Castellanos, you see looked like like Padres. Although the Padres weren't that that low on, but still over a Machado, Machado, but still the Mets. I mean, if we take a look across the board on Conforto, he was seven percent on DraftKings. But look, look, I, I pulled up all these sharper players, right? All these, all these guys. Almost every single one had more Mets. McNeil, almost every single one over over that ten percent. Pete Alonso, okay, maybe maybe not as much over here, but. But still, it's six percent. So the Mets were the Mets were the leverage stack on DraftKings last night. So if you made that assessment, because people ask me, it's like, well, what do I get after? Uh, I'm going to review a slate. What am I going? What am I going to learn? Right? What am I going to learn from looking at sharper players' lineups? Well, learn what why. Learn the why, but not the why of why they thought someone was going to do well. No one, none of these guys think anyone's going to do well. So it's projection based. There's no, there's no opinions there. It's the fact that Ian Anderson was going to be de facto SP2 chalk. And you, and the Mets doing well gained you more first place equity than other stacks. Because when the Mets do well, 30% of the lineups in the contest do badly at the same time. They're negatively correlated with one another. Okay, so you could do that, that strategically, you could do that every day. So last night, like if you wanted to play Pirates against Burns, I mean, you could have. If you wanted to play the Braves, hey, that looked that look good in the first inning. Playing Austin Riley, playing some Braves against DeGrom, super duper leverage, right? Like, uh-oh, DeGrom's dead in the first inning, right? Gives up three earned runs and comes back and strikes out 14. <laughs> it's still a high scoring picture. But that's why you do. Typically on DraftKings, you're looking at that like SP2 chalk. It doesn't apply as much on FanDuel because people don't have to roster a second pitcher. And they're typically, and the highest owned pitchers are typically the top projected pitchers on the slate that, you know, like today we have a 14 game slate. 
Whoever's going to be the highest owned pitcher, do you have? Yes, you get a lot of leverage with stacking them, but you could also find low owned stacks that could that are better offenses. That the leverage just isn't worth it anymore, right? Like, is there a reason? Is there? I mean, is there a reason to stack the Pirates against fifty percent owned Burns? I mean, you could have, but they still they project so low. I'd rather go after pitchers that are chalky that are just ne- not necessarily that good. They just happen to be slightly underpriced, right? It could have been Cueto, right? Let's say Ian Anderson was 90, 9,500 yesterday. He wouldn't have been SP2 chalk. Maybe Cueto would have been. Maybe Merrill Kelly or something like that. One of the pitchers in that game. Like if Luis Castillo was owned, the Padres make get more value. But he wasn't. Only nine nine percent of the lineup, so maybe it's probably more beneficial to play Castillo than play the Padres. This is just this is regardless of projections and ownership. Just the the concept of leverage. A lot of people are going to play Ian Anderson, who's directly negatively correlated to Ian Anderson. Well, the Mets. So in a non Ian Anderson lineup, the Mets have extra value. So what you have to do in these particular instances. The ownership of the pitcher that is facing the team boosts the ceiling of the projections. You have to almost like boost the projections of the of the team that they're facing. Okay, because because you're trying to win. You're trying to win DFS contests. You're not trying to score the most points, just just randomly the most of what a certain number. So like if you were to play, for instance. Uh, let's take a picture like uh, like Will Crow, okay? Barely owned, right? 4% owned. They're facing the Brewers, okay? If you had a choice between taking uh, Christian Yelich or Pete Alonso, right? Same, same price range. I know different positions, but same price range. Or Lindor or Adamas. Okay, that, is that a little bit better? Closer? Lindor or Adamas, they were close enough in price, 4,400, 4,900, okay? Maybe Adamas projects better, slightly better than, than Lindor, maybe. I think maybe I think maybe he did against Crow. But if they score the same amount of points, Lindor, if, if let's say Adamas hits a home run, let's say they both hit home runs, or just say they both hit home runs, okay? In those instances, if Adamas hits a home run, Solo shot, 14 points. He gets 14, and Will Crow gets minus two, right? Minus 2.6 or whatever, whatever it is. Okay? So you're playing Adamas. Your lineups go up, and 4.64% of other lineups start to go down. Okay? So what's the diff- What's that gap? How many places do you move when you do that? Okay? Not as many as if, when Lindor hits the home run, he gets 14 points and 28.49% of other lineups get negative 2.6 points. So now you're, you're moving, now you're moving past a lot more lineups, same home run, but in, in the event where Lindor hits the home run, you gain more benefit from doing, from the, from that occurrence. Okay. Now they both end up with the same amount of points, right? It's like, well, what does it matter? I played Lindor, he got 14. I played Adamas, he got 14. Yeah, but if Adamas gets 14 and Lindor gets zero, 
You're not passing those Ian Anderson lineups as much. If Lindor gets 14 and Adamas gets zero, Lindor's points are almost worth like 17 points. You have to add point to minus 2.6 to like 30% of the field. So let's, I mean, even if you did that by average, I think it's a flawed, probably a flawed mathematical way of thinking about it. So let's say 28 point for, let's say 30% of lineups. So if if you get, if you get, let's say 14 points out of it, I'm just going to do the math times 0.3. Maybe it's, it's worth, it's worth an extra, what, four, it's really worth an extra four points to you in general, something like that. It's worth more. Well, it wouldn't be worth an extra, yeah, extra four point. No, because 2.6. Okay, 2.6 times 0.3. It'd be worth an extra quarter of a point to you uh, in, on average. Because remember, the field is losing, you know, tw- the 30% of the field is losing 2.6 points. So 30% of 2.6 is 0.78. So on average, I mean, I think I think you, you can't really. I think mathematically, you shouldn't be thinking of it exactly that way. But from a practicality perspective, that's that is what you're doing. So Lindor's points, you know, a points a, a hit, right? A hit, RB more RBIs and any points that 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 Mets get are hurting thirty percent of lineups. Now let's say let's say uh, you stack the Pirates against Corbin Burns. And he gives up a home run, 2.6 times 0.5. So that home run, if you played Adam Frazier, whoever, who, who hit, a, didn't someone hit a home run yesterday off a, of a Burns? Someone did. One of the Pirates did, I remember. If you played him, that 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 home run is worth an extra 1.3 points on average because he's 50% owned. Austin Riley's home run is worth 1.56 on average more. Because 60% of the field has the grump. And most likely you're and most likely you're you're not playing Riley in the lineup with the grump. So they're not like negating each other out. But if you play the Brewers against Will Crow, like 0.04 of the it's it's worth an extra uh 0.1. It's worth less. And then obviously you have to add that that compounds on the stack. So let's say, let's say your stack a five-man stack against Ian Anderson. Let's say they all get home runs off of him. He gives up five home runs, okay? So five home runs. We're going to the extreme example of the stack being the top stack of the day, right? So let's say 2.6 times five. That I mean, Ian Anderson is losing 13 points in that in that instance, Okay. And 3% of the field is losing it. So that stack in total may be worth four more points to you in the contest, 3.9 in the contest, than other stacks versus the Pirates, versus the, uh, you know, the Brewers against Will Crow, who's barely owned. Now, can you make, now, if the Brewers are stack is 12 points better projected than the Mets, the Brewers are probably st- are still a better stack because obviously, yes, great. The Mets stack is you get an extra four points from on average, but it still doesn't make up the gap. It makes them a better stack than maybe other stacks down there. 
but it wouldn't make them better than the Cardinals, just in projections. Now, this is regardless of ownership, because obviously the Cardinals on DraftKings are just high owned yesterday. But this is what I mean. I mean, you study good players' lines. You go, why are they doing this? And that's the concept. Why did Ricky D have 0% Ian Anderson and stack the Mets? Royal Payne did the same exact thing. A lot of sharp players did. They didn't go whole hog, high variance, and have a ton of lineups like that, like Ricky D and Royal Payne did. But they had a larger proportion of those types of lineups compared to the field. Will it, will it work out this way all the time? Where, he, oh, there's the cheap this, and I could play that? Not necessarily. Sometimes the ownership is spread out. And it's like, I mean, you could. The value, the value of that stat, the extra value you get from the stack goes down and down as the pitcher ownership goes down and down. And then, then you, ha- and then you also have to figure out opportunity cost. That's why I said, like, for stacking the Braves against the Grum or the Pirates against Burns, even if you added an extra four points, five points to the stacks projection, they they're still they still would end up being the worst stacks of the day, right? I think the bat yesterday had. Had the the pirates at like uh, a, a ceiling stack total of like seventy six. It's like the Mets were like eighty three. Like just before, like be- before you even do any any type of la- any type of calculation of leverage, like the pirates couldn't make up enough points. It doesn't matter that Burns was fifty percent owned. They just don't get there often enough that the leverage would be worth it because the opportunity cost means you're not rostering other teams that are projected better and are still under up. But that's the concept. So when people think, oh, well, what, do I just press a button on an optimizer and just like oh, whatever it tells me? No, you strategize. That's the first thing that you do. Going through the YouTube chat. Brett Booth, if we could talk about how to review roto tracker results and determine if you were playing well, positive BV. Like you have said, you need to be top 1% above 1%. Yeah, that that is, to me, that's for GP, for if you're a GPP player, that's that that's the first, that's the thing that I look at. Now, I haven't updated my Roto Tracker in probably two weeks or so, something like that. Yeah, two weeks, three weeks even. So I go to the graph. You go to Roto Track, you go to this finishing position. It'll give you a breakdown of like the percentiles that your lineups finish. Now this, you have to organize this because it's not just, it's going to take all contest sizes a hundred plus. So like that'll include double ups and stuff. So let's say you want to do uh, MLB. Let's just lifetime in an MLB for me. A large sample size, MLB, 1% buckets, right? I could see here, right? Not bad, right? 1.6%. Let's go there. Where's GPP? Right. So this is mine from Lifetime MLB. It's not great. It's not really that great. I mean, it's profitable. It's over, like, really, you're looking for over 1.2%. But I mean, I'd love this to be higher. Finish your business decision. So you want more than your fair share. Now, since the rake is like 15% in these contests and GPPs, that's why, like, you would want more than 15% higher than your fair share of top 1% finishes. So like 1.15% would be like kind of breaking even. So this would be MLB. Now, if I go just to this year, 
I go by I go by season. Season and we'll be 2021. But this is gonna be a much smaller sp- sample size. See this season, 1.6%. Right? I got a lot of I got a, up over here. That includes a second place finish and a bunch of like top 20s. So if you haven't, if, if you're if this number starts getting up, up and up, 1.6, 1.8, 2 point, whatever, and you haven't won first place, then you're playing well and just you just it's variance. There you go. Right. So that's what you should be judging it by. If you see, and if you see, if you see in this finish mixing graph that you can see all these percentiles down here. Obviously, the cash line is around here, right? 22%. So if you're gonna see if you see a lot of a bu- more of a bump here and lower here, like if it looks more like a curve, like a bell curve. So you get you got you're coming down here and it's like only one percent here, but up over here you're you're finishing lineups in these percentiles at a much higher rate. That means you're just playing too your lineups are too safe. Your minca you're you're prioritizing projection more so than than ownership, right? A perfect a perfect looking graph for a GPP player would be concave, would be high here and high there. The problem is uh, about getting the high on this end is that there's also so many bad line. There's this in large field GPPs. There are so many bad lineups that it's 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 very hard even for your worst lineups to finish in the, in last place. Right? It just it's it's you, you'd see you'd see that bell curve more in sharper contests. If you were to play the small field stuff, like a good graph would look like like a bell curve, like a, like a tie like a reverse bell curve. Because there's less bad lineups. So your likelihood of coming in like last place or the last percentile is much higher. In the large field contest that I primarily play, which is what this show is primarily, like some of those bottom lineups have guys that don't even, the pitchers that aren't even in. I mean, it's just like, it's very, it's, it's hard to come into like that low in a contest. But if we take a look at GPPs, like my overall, like not just MLB, like my GPPs overall, this lifetime, like this is what you, this is what I want to see, right? Finishing position, 1.8%, right? In the top 1%, 1.6% in the top second percentile. Like this is what, this is what it should look like. The more that it looks like this, the better you're playing in general. You, you want this as high as possible, obviously, the more that you can place in the top 1%, the more likely you're going to win. You're going to win first. You're going to win big. But this is what, if, if your graph looks like more like this, than flat across the board, or just kind of like gel, a little up here, a little down, like, you know, a little bit more even, right? If, if it's flat, if, you, if your graph looks more flat, that means you, you, you're you not playing, you're not leveraged. And, you know, you're playing too many similar lineups. And if you're getting the hump here in the, in the min cash position in this 20th range, that means you're highly prioritizing projection way too much and not and not worrying about ownership enough. And obviously, if it's the reverse, then you're just you're just really bad. <laughs> just you just you're you're if, if this graph looks the opposite way, then I don't know, maybe you quit DFS at that point. <laughs> I mean, obviously in a small sample size, you can get better. But obviously, if it looks the other way, you're 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 doing you know you're doing bad, right? 
but it's possible. It's possible for this to look the other way to have the top 1% be at like 0.4%, but one of those finishes being the Millie maker, right? You just happen to win the Millie maker, even though you've been playing for four years and just draining all your money. That is absolutely possible. In fact, it, 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 it does happen. Okay. <laughs> just because someone wins the Millie maker doesn't mean they're a prop They're They're a long-term profitable player. So yes, I'm assuming there are there are there are set there's there probably are people that have won the millimaker that the graph looks the opposite way. That's getting lucky and not playing well, right? That's 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 the whole thing that we're trying to do here with these with this analysis. Am I playing bad? Am I am I playing well or running bad? Am I playing bad or running well? Right? One of the two. So that's what this does. So if you get Roto Tracker, you can probably do it. You can probably there's some way in Excel to probably come up with this type of thing. Maybe, maybe not look as pretty of a graph. You could probably do an Excel with your with your results, with your entries file. I, I assume there is. Someone probably doesn't. I don't, because I just, I, I'll just pay for RotoTracker. So let's take a look. What does the red line across the graph mean? This is the, this is the break-even point, right? So you want, if you were to, place 1% of lineups in the top 1%, it would hit that line, right? So you see here, look, 1%, one per, like the 52% of, you know, 1% of my lineups hit the 52nd percentile. 1% of my lineups hit the 49th percentile, right? 1% hit here, but like 1.2% of my lineups hit the 19th, right? So more than average, while these have lower, right? So it's under 1%. Of these one percentiles, that's what that red line means. Oh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Dave Spag, I usually make 162 lineups. That, that seems kind of kind of random. <laughs> that seems kind of random. Four by four, four by three, four by two, three by three, and three by two with 50% primary max. And uh, it's, you're you're mentioning all the stuff that doesn't matter. Should I lower it? None of the stuff they, they, Dave, none of the stuff you mentioned matters. Lineups matter. Make, make plus EV lineups. Well, I'm making four by, well, what four by four lineups? What four by three lineups? Why are you, you're just making them just because you just, why are you making three by three lineups? Why are you making three by two lineups? Why? Are they good ones? Did you find some good ones? Are there more good, Four by two lineup. I mean, like what? Why are you doing twenty percent of each? Why aren't you doing the lineups that are better? What have What happens if there's tons of four four lineups that are good? Why are you only doing twenty percent of them? If they're better than all the three three lineups, build more of those. You're trying to come up with magic settings. Magic settings don't exist. The settings on an optimizer don't matter do not matter you pick up a calculator okay i'm going to give you a calculator i want you to do my taxes for me do my just do my taxes on a calculator what buttons what buttons do you press i have a friend who also who also needs their taxes done is he going to press the same buttons there has to be there has to be buttons on a calculator 
that magically do my taxes. That That's what you're asking when you ask optimizer questions, right? Because that sounds dumb because your reaction would be, well, I mean, what? how much money did you make? Well, I mean, what's your, how many dependents do you have? I mean, like, what, what taxes are you doing, right? The calculator's there just to calculate whatever you want to calculate, right? Just like the optimizer's there to build the lineups you want to build. What lineups do you want to build? It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to build, here's, here's, here's some settings. I'm just going to bang on the keyboard and just spit out numbers. Are those the, those are the numbers that you want? I don't know. Well, so you can't treat the calculator like that. So on a slate to slate basis, there's no, it's, I'm not, I'm never going in and going, okay, here's my defaults, press the button. And two minutes later, I got all my lineups. That doesn't happen. If you do that, that's why you're losing. I want people to do that. Tons of people do. Download the CSV. I could download the CSV and get projections from any source that I want. And I could highlight, I could highlight exact lineups that were built literally by pressing by pressing a button in a stack number. Right? Five minutes, right? You say you put in five, three, you put in the and you build 150 lineups like that. With no other, with no other differences, no nothing. I mean, I could, I could go. I, they take that hundred fifty set and find those lineups. I could find nearly all of those lineups because someone goes into an optimizer with a projection set and says, "Just give me a bunch of lineups." Right? No, no, okay, no strategy, no nothing. Just, just give me a bunch of lineups. Sometimes you see the same user with the twenty of. They have a hundred percent of four guys, and which is fine if you want to, but. I could tell that they just pressed the button. And you know what? That none of them are winning. No one's winning. Or they're min catching or something. They're high project. They're high. They're high median lineups. Okay, great. Played the highest median five three lineups. Way to go. Does that mean anything? They're also the highest owned. So what did that do for you? Didn't do much. Oh. Michael Dompier asks. Uh, someone was heckling Andre and Chief on Grinders Live last night about their play. I don't know. I wasn't listening. I think I caught the end of that show, but I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch everything on Roto Grinders. I don't. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not tuned into everything that's going on. I have no idea what was happening. Let's see. Uh, scrolling through. Do 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 do. Matt Andrzejewski, if I pronounced that right. Blender, with what you were saying, assuming Smiley is going to be highly owned tonight as an SP2 with the Marlins be a good leverage stack on DK, even on a 14-game slate. Well, it depends on the ownership. Let's see. I've, I really haven't looked at today's slate. Do we have, I mean, initial ownership? Is is, is he going to be? Is, he's not going to be. I mean, based on our predicted ownership, 67. Oh, maybe he is going to be owned. 32%. <clears throat> yeah, that's viable. Erod against the Oakland. I mean, it really depends on the ownership. So yeah, Sonny Gray is. How much is pitch count going to be? Sonny Gray going to be owned today at seventy five hundred. I think he only pitched three innings. His rehab start. I don't know. It depends. On, like I said, it depends on the ownership. 
But yeah, if we look, okay, this is DraftKings. Obviously, we're talking about DraftKings, so Smiley is not going to be owned much on FanDuel in a one-pitcher site. It's that you need two pitchers, right? Probably Lance Lynn and Smiley. I could see that combination, right, against the Marlins. So let's look at the DraftKings. Let's just look. Where do the Marlins show up, like, as far as? Not, not where, where are they? They not exist here anymore? Oh, no, they're actually high. They're actually, wow. The Marlins project as the third highest ceiling stack of the slate as of right now. After the card, at, basically, they're the highest projected team outside of course. If we take a, let's take a look at, at DraftKings and let's take a, take a look. So this may, this ownership may actually change. Where's Miami? Right, and look how low owned they are. Seven, four, two, one, one. No, no, this would be a prime spot. Even if even if Drew, Drew Smiley wasn't owned, according to the bat, the Marlins are a great team, and they're the best point per dollar team on the slate. I don't care. It's a fourteen game slate. I mean, I mean, I mean, look, I'm looking at it. Right, it's not. I'm, I'm not making. This is not conjecture. I'm showing you the bat stack page. So according according to the bat, as of the, the starting lineups right now. So the fact that if Drew Smiley is going to be thirty two percent owned on top of it, the Marlins may. I mean, that's you got the best of both worlds. I mean, Smiley projects. I mean, this is a classic high variance situation where the pitcher projects well and the team projects well, right? But they can't both happen at the same time. I mean, technically they can, right? Drew Smiley can come out, have a good game, play five innings, and then the Marlins get 10 runs off the bullpen. Yeah, obviously it could happen. But no, I was expecting, that's why I said I was expecting on the stack pair. It's like, oh, the Marlins will probably be down here somewhere. Like, no. It's St. Louis, Colorado, then Miami. So no, if Smiley's 32% owned, (coughs) and Miami projects like this, I'd be playing Miami. <coughs> but who knows? That could change later in the day. Maybe Smiley's ownership comes down and Miami's ownership comes up. <coughs> but yes, but that would be the concept. But here, the, the I mean, I was, I thought my Marlins were going to be down in like the 84 range and be like, okay, well, they're down here, but they get a boost because a third of the field is going to own the pitcher. So you have to treat them kind of like more in this range, in this area. But no, the Marlins are up there already. I mean, the Marlins, if, 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 if the if Smiley is going to be 32% owned, the Marlins are probably a better stack than the, the they're probably better stack than the Cardinals, truthfully. Even the Cardinals project like better than anything else, but they're good. I mean, they didn't raise their prices again, DK. They're facing Chief Chi Gonzalez. That's the mega chalk on DraftKings. <coughs> so in comparison to ownership, I'd much rather play the Mar- I mean, I'd much rather play the Marlins straight up, even if Smiley wasn't owned. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people, people don't see that. Because if people see that, maybe the Marlins do end up being owned at the double digits. I don't know. We'll see later in the day. Michael Dompier, casual Friday question. For large field, first place, heavy, small entry GPPs. Oh, so, okay. For large field, first, 
small entry? So like large field three maxes? Are there is there such a thing? Typically, I don't consider large field to be anything that's single entry, but whatever. If I review my lineups after and some were duped or worse or worse, how could it be worse than duped? How could, I don't know how it could be worse or duped. Should I question my process that landed on the lineup? It depends. It really depends. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what type of line, like what type of contest are you playing that your, your baseball lineups are getting duped? Are they getting duped by good players? I mean, that's the first thing I would say. Are they getting duped by good players at least? It depends. I mean, it really depends. That, that'll, that'll only happen on small slates. If that's happening on large slates, I don't know what you're doing. It's very hard to get duplicate lineups in, in large field contests. Uh, let's see. So I don't know. I don't, I did. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Doug Montgomery asked, taking away not playing because of schedule, do you ever decide not to play and why? Not really. On, on the small, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the small, the small slates. It makes my head hurt. The small, I'm talking about like two game slates. Like I, I rarely play the night slates, two or three game baseball slates because it becomes, it becomes a uh, duplication becomes a factor. Now I don't mind, like obviously I'm playing MMA like that. I play NFL showdown like that. There's big money involved and people play these dupe lineups all the time. Yeah, but it's a whole different process. When you're playing a two game MLB slate, it's more about, it's more about it, it, things don't even make sense. You're building lineups that like just logically don't even make sense just for the sake of having a unique lineup. So it's a completely different thought process. So a lot of times I'm just not in that mood, right? Like on Mondays and Thursdays, NFL season, right? Sunday nights. I'm in that mood, right? We have these big NFL showdown contests. MMA on Saturday, I'm in that mood, right? But when I'm in the when I'm playing a 14 game MLB slate, I don't feel like, oh, well, the 9:33 game slate. Let me get in that that let me prune dupes and stuff, and let me run stuff to see who's going to own what. And I don't, I just don't feel like it. And the variance is so high for those types of things anyway. Am I would why? I just thought I'll, I'll just go to sleep early, right? I'll go, go on the couch. But other than that, no. I mean, the only times that I take off is when I just like, I don't, I just, I don't feel like playing, have something on the schedule. You know, me and my wife are going out or something. I mean, like that type of thing. But for the most part, I, I play I play every day. If it's big, I mean, why not? What else am I doing? I'm not doing anything. What else am I doing? If I'm sick, right? Like I didn't play MMA last weekend because, you know, I got st- sick to my stomach. I was sick over the weekend, so I didn't play. Okay, that's that's normal. They don't feel like you have to play every slate. You don't have to. It'll be there. DFS will be there. Right? It's okay to take the day off. Or it's okay to say, I'm not going to build 100 lineups. I'm just going to build one. I'm going to play a single entry and whatever. I'm going to pick one thing and whatever. Yeah, sure, you can do that. Why not? DFS Degenerate. How do you determine what stack type to use on any given day? I've written, Haven't I explained this like 14 times this week already? The more you keep on asking that question, the more you still have not gotten it yet. It's about lineups and not players. How do you determine which stack type? I don't determine which stack type to use. I pick lineups. Now, the larger the slate, the more likely that five five man stacks on DraftKings are going to be. That's that's going to be the bulk of the plus EV lineups. So if you by default played five man stacks, okay, you probably can't go wrong as wrong as playing other, but they're 
They're they're four mans. They're four threes and four twos and three threes that are plus EV that you could play. If you find them, play them. There you go. So like, there's no what stack type to use. People are looking the same thing before with the, the optimizer settings. You have to think in terms of lineups. You have to think in terms of lineup. I'm going to repeat that a million times. I could show you a lineup that of every different stack type, that is plus EV. I could show you a 3-2. I could show you a 4-1. I could show you... There aren't many of those other ones, those like 3-2 lineups. There aren't as many plus EV ones of those, but there are probably some that are better than 5-3s. Now, there are more 5-3s that are better than 3-2s. But it doesn't mean you can't play. It doesn't mean it depends on the lineup. It absolutely depends on the lineup. You could play, There are plenty of 5-3s that are horrible, that are awful. On today's slate, let's say, I'm going to play the athletic. Okay, let's let's do this. Let's make awful lineups. Can we make awful lineups today? Let's go on DraftKings and make awful lineups. Who's the worst projected teams? Let's see. Who, who, who projects the worst ceiling? Wise? Oakland and Cleveland. Okay, so let's do Oakland-Cleveland. Okay, let's do that. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make bad lineups. Okay, Oakland-Cleveland. Uh, where, where are the pitchers? Okay, well, who are the worst pitchers on the slate? Who are the worst pitchers? We're going to play, okay, maybe, maybe we want to still spend all of our money. So let's say I'm going to play uh, Adrian Hauser. I'm going to lock in Casey Mize at 9,000. Okay, that seems like a bad idea. Okay, I'm going to lock him in. And uh, and Adrian Hauser against, against I mean, actually, he's not a very good pitcher. Taiwan Walker against, uh, against the Yankees. Okay, there, you do something like that. And who, who who are the worst? Who are the worst teams? The uh, the A's, right? Are we playing the A's? Who are the lowest projected? Who's the lowest projected even point per dollar wise? Maybe the 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 Red Sox. Maybe are we going to do the Red Sox? Red Sox A's. Oh, we do the A's Indians. Indians actually project well point per dollar. So let's let let's 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 do the A's and the Red Sox. Okay, so we're going to do the A's and the Red Sox. Okay, we're going to go into stacks. I'm going to build five, five, three, five, three A's Red Sox. Where's, where's the, where's the, oh, just with game stacking. Okay. With game stacking this hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. And we're going to build whatever build rules. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Build 20 lineups just for whatever purpose. Okay. Build. We're going to build. Okay. Five three, we're building five threes, right? Why didn't go? Well, okay, I, I didn't do it this time. Hold on. Forgot to put that in. Let's go. We're building five threes. It got it gotta work, right? Five threes. Delete the other builds. Okay. Now before we look at that, I'm gonna go back to the stacks page. I'm gonna uncheck these two. I'm gonna go to the stacks page. I'm gonna still build five three. I'm gonna build. I'm not going to build 5-3. I'm going to build any of these teams. I'm going to build I'm going to build 4-2 and 3-3, three, three, which are suspect. There aren't going to be as many. So just 50% of these and 50% of those. And uh um 
uh, don't even have to limit the ownership. So build these. Okay. So these are four twos and three threes. Just 20 of them of whatever teams. Okay. Okay. We're going to take a look at your, at your, uh, at your, uh, at your five, three lineups. Okay. You're playing Taiwan Walker. You're playing Casey Mize and you're playing a five, three of the, of the A's Red Sox game. They're awful projected. These are the, the two, two of the worst projected pitchers for their salary and two of the worst projected teams for their salary in a stack, but you're playing five, three. So here you go. You have 24% total ownership and, and an 80, what? 79 projection. So you have, look at these projections, 78, 79. Here, I'm built here. Are, and these are four twos and three threes, 120, 120. These lineups project 40 points higher than these five, three lineups. Okay. But they're not five threes, but they're, th- uh, but, but they're four twos. I thought you said you can't play four. T- yeah, but these lineups are way better than these guys. I, who's going to play? I would never play these lineups. 40 points rejected lower. Yeah, sure. They're all 1%. Though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. You get, you get the ownership with it, right? I give it, do you get enough of it? How big are the contests? It would have to be a million. I mean, this, there'd have to be 500,000 entries in this contest to play a lineup like this. I'm mean, probably more. Look how low projected this is. When I can build plenty of lineups. Okay, so here we go. 120. 128 ownership. This is based on our current ownership. Okay? So let's say here's a 111 at 119. This is low owned enough. Look at this. You got a four-man Cardinals who are going to be chalky, right? You got two-man uh Rockies and two man Jazz Chisholm and Duval against, and there you go, and again Scherzer and Rodriguez. So it's not even like the highest owned pitchers. Like this lineup, this lineup eight, right here at one hundred and eleven percent, eleven total ownership and one nineteen, is better than any of those five. Is is light years better than any of those five threes that we just made with the. Taiwan Walker and Casey Mize and the A's Red Sox game. And this is this is a 4-2-2 lineup. Okay? So you can you can build you can build plenty of bad 5-3s and you could build plenty of good 3-3-2s three, three, and 2 as a whole, but I wouldn't want a 3-3-2 three, three, lineup that projected 20 points. I mean, you're losing some of the correlation. The correlation boosts your ceiling, increases the variance of your lineup, which is not reflected in this median number. So if I had a choice, let's say, this lineup that we're looking at, right? This 4-2-2 lineup, 119.3 at 111 ownership. If I could find a 5-3 lineup that projects for 119 and 111, I'd rather play that. Like that would be a better lineup than this lineup. But if I can't, then then it's not, right? This lineup could be as good as a lot of other 5-3 lineups, right? We scroll down some more. What else do we have? 110, 118 at 110. Here's a what? Three man, three Cardinals, three Marlins, a a Rocky and and an Astro. So it's a 3-3-1-1. 
this lineup would be better than any of those Boston at those five threes. Any of them would be better than all of them easily. It's third. This is 39 points better projection. That's 40 points. But I mean, you can't give up that much for the sake of a, of a roster. How much, how much boost are you going to get from the correlation of a five, three line that you're going to be able to make up 40 points? You're not correlation. Doesn't boost it that much. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, well it's twenty five ownership some yeah oh, sure but I mean do you, do, you, do you need to be that low no you don't to win the backflip on 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 DraftKings you don't so you're too low on ownership as well so this lineup like if we save this lineup here's a three three two one like let's save that now let's run let's just run the five threes right let's run the five threes just run run uh, run but we remember we want we looked here in my lineups we saved this one lineup we want at least this low ownership right so 110 so we want to find five threes that are one eight around here that are at least 110 or lower so let's let's put that in let's put 110 in let's build 20 lineups just five three whatever whatever i don't care about the diversification so let's look for five three lineups that would be viable. Do I have everything set? This is taking a little longer than I thought for 20 lineups. Just stop it. Okay. So here we go. One here's here we here we go. See 119, 104. This is a five-man Cardinals, three-man Marlins, assuming the Marlins are going to be this low owned. Right? Here, here's another one. It was JT Brubaker in the lineup, right? Logan Gilbert, here's one, 92, 114 and 92. So you're getting a little less ownership. But let's go back to this lineup. Okay, so here's a 5-3. And we go to the save lineups. Like here, compare these two lineups, right? Here's a 5-3 higher projection and lower ownership than this. So, I mean, this lineup is probably better than, than this lineup, but not by not that much. This is a five, three. So this, this is a five, three, this is a three, three, two, three, three, one, one, but they're not that far off from each other. This one is just a little bit more owned and has a little bit less correlation, but they're closely projected. So while I would say that lineup one is better than lineup 11 in a large field contest, Lineup 11 isn't bad because we take a look. Let's say we get rid of this one and we go back to our build that we had. Like, let's look at a 5-3. Let's see, a 5-3. Like maybe we look at, at this, right? So let's compare those two. So here's that 3-3-1-1 three, three, lineup. And here's, here's a 5-3. It's a five-man Marlins, three-man Angels. It's a little bit lower owned, but more correlated. But look how many points you're giving up in comparison. The difference is 11 median points. Is the correlation worth 11 points? No. The ownership is not that much different, right? Just 10, 10 a little lower here. This one... This second one that we pulled, that is a 5-3, is a little less owned and a little bit more correlated. 
also 11 points different in projection. So does that, does the 10, 10 percentage points in ownership and the slightly more correlation make up for those 11 points? Probably not. It, may, it makes up some of it. Yeah, sure. But not all of it. So between these two lineups, the first one, which is a 3-3-1-1, based on these numbers, assuming these numbers are accurate, right? This would be a better lineup than that lineup. Lineups, not players, right? But lineups, not optimizer settings, not like your, this line, this lineup is worse, but it's a 5-3 and it's a Marlin stack. And as Scherzer and Rodriguez doesn't, based on these numbers, this lineup would probably show a higher expected value based on the, assuming these numbers are right. Right. Once we say the Marlins are going to be four times as owned now, and now it's changed, obviously. We have to assume that Duvall is going to be 1% owned and Barrett Cooper is going to be 1% owned. Right. Just based on these numbers. You got you, you, these ownerships change later in the day. Maybe, maybe it ends up that this lineup is way better than that line. Who knows? I mean, who knows? But as of now, what, what I'm looking at on the screen. So when you ask, when you ask a question such as, well, what stack size should I play? Like, what? What food should I eat today? I mean, what do you want to play? I mean, what, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you want to, what do you want to do? I mean, there, there are lineups that of, of every different type that could be better than one another. Now, are there more five, three lineups that are better? Yeah, probably. Are there more five man stack type of lineups, four, three ones? Then, then there are three, three, two, and, you know, bunch of one-offs type of stuff with no correlation. Yes. But it doesn't mean that that oh you can, you can't play uh, you can't play three three two. That's supposedly not the best. You play five man stack. No, well, who says you can't? Now, do you want to go through the hassle of seeing what lineup constructions are better? I mean, you, you could simulate some stuff and see. But sometimes it's easier on large slates. There are going to be way more on DraftKings. There are going to be way more plus EV lineups. There are five man stacks on large slates, especially. So to save you time, instead of going through everything, we just say, I'm just not even going to bother with trying to even find four-man stacks. I'm just going to do 5X and just, I'm done. I could, I, could, I could do it quicker, right? Maybe I do miss some lineups that are better than some of my lineups, but if I'm building 150 and I want to do it as efficiently as possible, if I want to do it in a half an hour or less, do I bother trying to find three, three, two lineup? Not just most likely if I play all five man stacks, I'm not going to do anything egregiously wrong. I may not, may not find some gems in the rough. Maybe <clears throat> 10 or 20 of my lineups on the bottom may not be as good as some four threes that I could have found. Yeah, but it'll take a time in order to do that. Like, like I'm showing you right here. It'll take you time to, to do that type of stuff. So if you just defaulted to like, okay, on large slates, just play five-man stacks. 5X, 5'2", five, 5, whatever, whatever. Then don't have to worry about it. You, you, you're fine. That would be the answer to the question. It's not, that isn't optimal. That's just more the most efficient. If you can make a ton of lineups. But if, you, if you're only, if you're hand building, you're building 10 lineups, Take the time, go through. You can, you don't have to play five man stacks. Is there a four three one that's better that you could build that's better? 
If you're if you're just hand building one lineup and you're just you're in the app, and you're like, are you trying to put together a five and a three? And it's like I want to stack these two teams, and you're like five, two, and then anything you run around, you can't get that third guy in because you either have too much or too little. But you're like, well, thirty four hundred, I could play Dom Smith or something like that as a one off. But that's not a five three lineup. Yeah, but that may be a better lineup. So play a five two one if you can't. Don't force piece. Oh, I'm going to play a worse pitcher just so I could force a third piece in. Like, no, it's probably better that you just, then now that lineup would be better as a four, two, five, two, one. So because you're thinking too rigidly. You don't win because of the, the, the lineup construction. It depends. We saw, I saw before. You're going to play that Casey, that, that, that Boston Oakland stack with those two pitchers. That, oh, the construction's great. Ah, I played a five, three, but it's a horrible lineup. You care about the lineups, not the constructions. Because you could have great, you could have horrible lineups and great constructions and great quote unquote constructions. And you could have great lineups and what's supposedly are bad constructions. So you have to think of the lineup, the lineup as a whole. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Do, do, do. Michael Dompy has clarification on his questions. Last night I had 100 entries in the mini max, and I noticed a few of your five three stacks were duped. There are 24,000 lineups, so maybe that's just yeah. Especially five three, you're you're condensing your construction so much that, especially if you're spending most, if not all, of your salary. Yeah, obviously, especially if they're two chalky teams. How many how many other ways are they to spend fifty thousand and have two teams together that are in five three? You're there's only so many combinations of that. We got a hubro in the chat. Congrats to a hubro. He got another hundred thousand last night in the seven seventy seven. I always have to say it's not the largest field, right? You see that to see the score and you go, oh yeah. If I played that contest, I wouldn't need to score that high. <laughs> Jim Steele asked, "How do I arrive at the hundred and ten percent ownership?" Because I I was looking at the lineups that I was building before. Right, we built five three. We were building five of these lineups here, so I was looking. I was looking for a lineup that was low enough owned in the same range. And once I found this one eleven, right, I'm like, okay, this is very similar in projection to all these other lineups that are a little bit more owned. So this was like the lowest ownership sum that I found in this range. Right, so since this was the lowest in this range, so obviously it's the best. Why wouldn't I play a projection that's like, like this is 111 sum and these are these are higher and they're lower projected. So this was like the lowest that I found, that 111. So my goal was to find ones in that range that of different constructions, right? This was a 422 at 111. So now I want to find five threes at, at, at around 111, right? And see what the projection difference is. Same ownership, are there going to be some five, three lineups that are about the same projected? Cause they would end up being better than, cause there would be more correlated. Right. Look, this is 141 and projects the same point, actually point one lower. So obviously this lineup is better than that lineup. Right. This lineup projects sli- slightly better, but it also, you know, this one's 30 percentage points more owned based on our ownership projections. As of right now, which 
Doesn't mean anything right now. Uh, Mart, Mart's mimic. I never said ownership limits. Maybe you could get some good lineups at 110, but I think mainly you just get bad stacks. No, you look, you could see the projection. That's the point. That's the point. You're not doing that so you could get low ownership. That's what I said for the first, right? Oh, look, 24, but look, the projection's horrible. The whole goal of GPPs is to get the same projected lineups that are going to be lower owned. Combinate. I mean, that's, that's the dream. That's the whole point. Can I can I play? Can I? Uh, you're gonna play. You're gonna play a guy. You're gonna play a lineup that pro- that projects for X amount of points, and I'm gonna play a lineup that projects for the same amount of points that half the field is not even playing. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, that that's just the, that's what you're trying to do. That's the whole point. Have the same chance to win first. They have the have the same have the same chance of getting the same amount of points but half the people don't have them. So you have more chance of winning first place by yourself. That's the the whole point. That's the whole point of DFS. Like, so if you don't get that concept, then I'm sorry, you know, you're not going to do very well in GPPs. But I just wanted to highlight, because when people, what stacks, what, what you can make greats. Look, you can make here. So here's a five, three. That's horrible. So it's not about just like, oh, I'm going to make five threes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to select, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to select 800 stacks and just, how do I, why am I not printing? Why am I not printing? Why am, why am I losing all my money? <laughs> yeah, because you're making bad lineups. You're probably making, you're probably making some good lineups. There's probably good lineups mixed in there, right? You're making 150 like that or something. You probably get a good amount of good lineups. But who knows? Maybe half your lineups suck. You look and they, they clump up. Sometimes you're trying to get good lineups and they, they, they sometimes your last 10 are bad. Sometimes I run out of time and my last 10 clump up and I'm just like, screw it. I, I got a minute left. I, I can't, I can't, I can't fix the clumps. So I guess I'm playing a clump. I'm playing some bad clump. I'm playing 10, 10% of my lineups are clumps. I'm just like, whatever. That's the cost of doing business, I guess. Brett Booth asks, is there any more likely mindset for it's a thousand person contest versus a 5,000 versus a 20,000? Yeah, that just that just determines how much projection you're willing to give, give up for leverage. That's it. That's why I said, when we looked at that line, like looked at looked at this lineup, right? Remember this bad lineup, this 5-3? Look how it's really, it's really low owned, but it's really low projected. Did, in order to play a lineup that it has this much leverage, like you need like 5 million entries in the contest. Like, so, so this lineup would be perfectly, you could probably squeak out. I mean, you'd have to have such a large sample size, a plus, a plus ROI in a contest that has 5 million entries, maybe, right. Or something like that. That's, that's all it is. That's all that means. Right. So like if we go back to the, the 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 two lineups that we were looking at before, like this 110, these two lineups over here, like you're giving up 11 points in order to be more correlated and slightly less owned. It's like, like this lineup is fine for, for, I mean, this lineup is fine all around, but let's say we go to, where's build three? These five threes. Like you don't have to give up as much projection. So let's say like here, here's 102.66 at 73. 
Like this is more, this would be, I mean, you're giving up 18 points and you're gaining this much. I mean, this would be a large field. This would be a 20,000 plus large field type of lineup. Playing two Brissinger, Brubaker, doing a Brave stat, like like this type of lineup with this ownership and the, even even large, this would be contrarian even for large field. 73% ownership, 102 projection, right? Here's a 95 lineup, 107, right? 107, where's that 107 lineup, right? Colorado stack with Keegan Aiken as your SP2. Like this is, this is, this would be a large field lineup at best, right? You're giving up 13 points of projection from the optimal and you're gaining 95%, but it's like small field stuff. Like most of these lineups, even this first lineup, like this first lineup, this would be, I mean, this, this, you could probably still play this at large field because you're playing Bader there. He's lower owned as part of the stack. But you like you in small the smaller the field the less of the projection you need to give up. That's the only difference. That's the only consideration difference. Five hundred man contest. You're probably not playing lineups that are twenty points off the optimal. There are pl- there are plenty of lineups that are that are low owned enough that are five to ten points off. That that would be way better. You don't need the nuts. You don't need you don't need a million points in the smaller field contests. You don't need to sacrifice that much projection in order in order to get first place equity. In large field contests, you do, but you also you don't need to you don't need to sacrifice so much where you're playing lineups that are that are awfully awful projected, even if they're construction And everything is comparative to the slate. Don't give up forty points. Just, that's that's all relative. You have to think comparatively. I hope you don't understand what that means. So there's no, there's no numbers. Should I, what's the, like, remember what I said, if I can answer it with an exact number, that means it's a stupid question. How, how many points should I get? Depends on the slate. How many lineups are there in between those two numbers? That's what matters. How many lineups are there between 120 and 79.98 in projection? How many are there? Now, I don't know exactly, but I know that they're probably tens upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe. That's what you care about. We have some basketball slates where like there's like two guys that are absurdly like projected, right? You know, you have the injuries. So some guy's out and he's only 4,000 and he projects for like 10x. And it's like, well, he's going to be 80% owned, right? These, this this guy is going to be 80% owned and he's, he has a 10X median. So if you fade him, you're going to drop your, you're obviously going to drop your ownership, but you're also dropping your projection by a ton. But that's the only way to drop your projection by a ton. Like that's the only way that happens. So the gap between the lineups of certain projections are going to be, there's not going to be stuff in the middle. Because that's the only way you could get the projection drop is by not playing that guy. So if you build lineups without that guy, you may be 15 points off the up, and that may be fine because that the the lineup that is 15 points off the 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 top optimal whatever may still only be like the the 1200th best lineup possible anyway. <laughs> I mean, like it may maybe yet in, an, in, in on another slate 50 on in basketball if there's no situation like that 
15 points off the top optimal may be the, there, there may be 140,000 lineups in between them, right? Because to give up 15 points where, and projection for the sake of ownership, where most of the players are efficiently priced, I mean, 15 points is a lot. But it's not a lot when there's one there's one or two guys that are really high owned. That that's the only way you get that's the only way you could get a drop like that. It also means that there are less lineups in between them. So that's why coming up with a number it, it's comparative to the slate. Some slates, some slates, the difference between the top the top optimal, especially in larger slates, that the top if the top one is one twenty. 120 to 115 could be, I don't know, 700,000 lineups. So if there are 700,000 lineups within five within five points of the optimal, do you think you should be playing lineups that are that are really below? You could probably find 150 lineups that are lower owned in that range, right? Some slates that this range only has 2,000 lineups. And a lot of them are the chalk of the chalk. And you can't, you almost can't even get leverage. So you're like, okay, well, I have to look at a lower range. I have to look at a lower range on that specific slate. And what's that exact number? Who knows what the actual numbers are? Right, they're not gonna, we have some slates where the, the chalkiest lineup is uh, ownership sum is 240. Sometimes the chalkiest lineup ownership sum is 100, right? So there's no exact, there's no number to give you. It's all comparative to, to what you're looking at. On smaller slates, it could be even a bigger drop. You go, oh, I'm playing a three-game MLB slate. Should I be giving up 15 points in projections? Like, how are you not giving up? How, how are you doing it that you're not? There's not as many combinations of lineups. So if you're going to play a large field GPP, it's like, well, I only want to give up three points. Well, then you're playing all the truck line. I mean, how there's only so many players in the pool. So in order to get different, you're going to have, in order to gain the leverage, you're going to have to give up a lot more projection on that type of slate because it's only a three-game slate. But if they ask me, should you ever give up 15 points? Like, how do I answer that question? I can't. It's a yes or no question, which means it's stupid. Yes, there are, there are, there are lineups on certain slates that you can. And the lineups on certain slates, that would be awful to do so. It's all comparative to other lineups in the contest. That's all you're doing is competing against other people. So your job is to build better lineups than other people. Plus EV, have higher expected value. That means the sharper the contest you play, the sharper the lineups tend to be. So a lineup that's like, we, we have this, this saved lineup, you go, okay, this lineup's pretty good, right? We go, oh, this lineup's good for large field GPP. Yeah, it's probably good for large field GPP because there's a ton of people that build bad lineups in large field GPP. But maybe this lineup is not even uh, that, halfway point of the good lineups in a, in a small field. If the large field GPPs had all sharp players in it, then it would end up being the same. The reason why large field GPPs are the way they are is because there are a lot of bad players in them. So your average strength of lineup that you need to be profitable is lower. Well, if you play the 777 or something, the average strength of a lineup is much higher. So a lineup that is plus EV in one contest may be negative EV in another, depending on the fields on the field strength. Imagine to imagine a universe where it's a large field, it's large field, 50,000 entries. 
on one side, in one universe, it's 50,000 entries and it's all the sharpest people. All. There's no dead money in there. They all know how to play. Then you have another 50,000 entry contest with the dumbest people in the world. Dumb, the dumb, 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 dumb. Which you could take the same lineup. You're going to do way better in one contest with the same exact lineup. One contest, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to play that lineup and run it. And let's say we run this, simulate this contest 10,000 times. In the sharp contest, maybe you, you, maybe you lose 20% of your money. And you're like, but I thought I'm building a good lineup. It's like you are building on, av- on, on a good lineup on average. It's just that in comparison to the other lineups in that contest, it's, it's under the halfway point. Then you go into the dumb contest and it's like, you have 180% ROI. You go, it's the same, but it's the same lineup. You say, yeah, but your lineup is actually literally the best, li- best ROI lineup in the entire contest. One out of 50,000. So if you try, if we simulate this out, whatever, 100,000 times, your ROI on that lineup is going to be much higher than 49,999 other lineups. Because all those lineups are really bad. But in the other contest with the sharp players, you may, you may, be, you may have like the 35,000th best lineup in the contest from an, uh, from an EV perspective. So that's why I, I, that's why I say in the course, the number one thing that will affect your ROI in daily fantasy sports is the strength of your, your relative skill between you and your opponents. That's why contest selection is such a big thing. You could, you could, you could be an average player and make more money by just playing against weaker, finding weaker players and playing in weaker contests. You don't even have to improve your game. Obviously, the more that you improve your game, the more likely you're going to be better than, than the field that you're in or at least better than more of the people in the field. So if you're building good lineups, play against the worst, play, try to play against the worst players as possible. Stay in the low stakes where the, 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 a lot of the restricted uh, high, high volume players can't play. Get good there. So that when you move up, you're, you're good enough to, to, to be with the big boys. This is what I talk about in the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. All this type of stuff is in there. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's more structured. You don't have to go through all my pregame shows and ask questions or whatever. It's all it's all structured just like a seminar. It's like you're taking a 15-hour seminar of playing daily fantasy sports. Any sport. It's not just MLB. It's, this applies to literally every sport. It's the same concepts. Same exact thing. Game theory is the same exact thing no matter what. It's got game objectives, player selection, expected value, Leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. 15 hours with me and James McCool. This is, and this is how you play DFS. I mean, this, this is the math. This is the game theory and the math. You don't, have to, you don't need a calculator in order to take the course. It's all, it's all explained in, in, normal, in normal, normal language. But that's what I talk. All the stuff I talk about on the show is, is, is in here. So go check that out. Theoryofdfs.com. And uh, we got a 14 game slate today. And uh, do we get weather? Okay. Probably, maybe no, maybe no weather. Maybe you don't have a weather. Maybe you don't have weather today. That would be great. So I don't have to worry about that. So uh, so we'll, we'll see what goes on. We got Grinders Live coming up later today. Click on that notification bell to know when they go live. Crunch time for premium members. So click at the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month of Roto-Grinders Premium. 
and uh and let's let's see what let's see what happens tonight and then we'll be back it'll be what uh happy happy independence to july 4th right we got july 4th around whatever coming up i don't know i don't know days just run into each other i don't know what day it is so happy july 4th if you're american i guess right i mean it's just another day of the week for any other country right and uh and hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door subscribe if you're new here uh because uh this is what i do every every monday through friday at 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.